Jack and I'm a member of Gilnahirk Baptist Church. In this podcast series, we'll be looking at some big questions regarding the Bible and the Christian faith, which we will attempt to discuss in a biblical, rational way. Today, I'm joined by Dr. David Luke, a lecturer at the Irish Baptist College and former pastor of Gilnahirk. Good morning, David. Morning, Jack. David, the overarching question uh, we are discussing this morning is, can a loving God send people to hell? But before we tackle that one, I'd like to strip it way back and simply ask you, does hell really exist? Well, Jack, whenever we uh, read through the Bible, we discover that it speaks uh, quite a bit uh, about hell, um, the reality of hell. Uh, We find uh, allusions to hell uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, We find more explicit teaching uh, about hell uh, in the New Testament. And perhaps uh, surprisingly for some people, the majority of teaching that we find in the New Testament about hell uh, comes from the lips of Jesus. Uh, Jesus teaches us uh, that hell is real. And uh, he teaches us that hell is real uh, and that some people uh, will go there. Uh, So whenever Jesus teaches us uh, about hell, he doesn't do it in some kind of uh, academic way, uh, but rather he teaches us uh, about hell and its reality. Uh, in order to warn us, uh, to warn us uh, that hell is somewhere to be uh, avoided. Uh, For example, he uh, warns us, uh, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Uh, He says, if your right hand causes you to stumble, uh, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Or he also says, unless you repent, you too will perish. Jesus uh, very much teaches us that hell is real and that it's to be uh, avoided. Yeah, um, yeah, it's interesting, David, when you say that there is more explicit teaching about hell in the New Testament. Um, I assume a lot of people um, would associate the Old Testament more with the with the God of wrath. Um, a, a podcast that we discussed a few weeks ago, and we maybe associate that with hell, but that is interesting that most of the the teaching comes from Jesus. Um, And yes, it's interesting how those verses that you gave were there where Jesus is very much warning people, um, warning his followers to that hell is a real place and that it is possible to go there. One other question I wanted to, to ask you there is, does the idea of hell, so the concept of hell, contradict the idea that God is love? And does that then make him a monster? Yeah, I think that's a very, uh, very important question and probably a question that's uh, in the minds of many people. Uh, does the idea that uh, God is love and the idea that uh, hell is real, do these uh, two ideas uh, in some ways sit uh, at odds uh, at odds with one another? Uh, but uh, in order, I think, to answer that, we need to be careful we don't end up with a, a simplistic view of the idea of God's love. Uh, we don't end up uh, with kind of uh, some uh, vague notion about what God's love means. Uh, because one of the uh, important dimensions in our we think of love is that uh, we must also think about justice. Uh, if we're not simply to be sentimental when we talk about God being a God of love, well, then we need to also realize that justice is something that's integral uh, to the whole idea of, of, of love. If you read through the, the Psalms, for example, uh, in the Old Testament, 
you see there that nothing is more likely to lead the psalmist to doubt God's loving care for them than if he denies them justice. Uh, if you look, for example, at Psalm 13, uh, the psalmist feels abandoned by God and he says, how long will my enemy triumph over me? But then he adds, but I trust in your unfailing love. So in other words, he believes that it's God's uh, love that means that God will grant him justice. And again, uh, we know that from our own uh, experience, uh, that many of us uh, doubt God's love uh, whenever he denies us, uh, denies us justice. Uh, and we, we say, well, how could a, a loving God do this, that, uh, or, or the other? Uh, so uh, justice and love go very much uh, together. Or if you think about uh, the idea of, of heaven, uh, think about that for, for a moment or two. Uh, and again, if we're not simply to have a, a simplistic kind of sentimental idea uh, about heaven, uh, then we need to, to think about that as well. Uh, heaven, it seems, would not be heaven if it were a place just like this world, uh, where it seems uh, that injustice goes unpunished. Or heaven would not be heaven if it was just a place where everyone was admitted, uh, whether or not uh, they had repented uh, of their wickedness. Uh, so uh, again, I think those ideas of love uh, and justice uh, go very much uh, together. Uh, so uh, again, I think those, that, that's an important uh, point to, to, to think about. But I think also we need to understand uh, that above all, we cannot doubt uh, the love of God, uh, for he's the God who did not spare his own son, uh, but gave him up uh, for us all. Uh, so that there on the cross, uh, he poured out his wrath against our sin uh, on his own son. Uh, uh, there upon the cross, Jesus quite literally uh, took hell for us, uh, so that whoever believes in him uh, will find eternal life, because he has borne the judgment against our sins uh, that we so justly uh, deserve. Uh, so that's the depth of God's love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, so God's love uh, is not in doubt. Uh, I think that's an important point to make as well. So the, I think these two ideas need to be uh, to be held together, uh, that God's love uh, includes his justice, uh, and that God's love uh, is so great uh, that he allowed his own son uh, to take the pains of hell uh, for us. Yeah, thank you, David. Um, and that equating love with, with justice there is key. Um, and the fact that we are all born sinful and we all deserve hell, we all deserve um, to suffer God's wrath, then makes the fact uh, that God has chosen to save sinners um, makes it incredible, um, makes it so amazing that a God um, who didn't owe us anything then sent his own son to to pay the penalty for us so that we could then be with him in eternity in heaven. Um, one thing that I read recently I found uh, interesting is that the worst thing about hell um, and then on the flip side, the best thing about heaven is that in hell, there is, you're just completely separated from God, um, from his love, his blessing. Um, whereas in heaven, that is experienced in full. Um, I thought that was quite a good, almost summary of um, the, both, the good and, the, both the, the good of heaven and then the evil of hell. Um, 
Yeah, I think one of uh, you make an important point there, uh, Jack. Uh, that one of the the reasons we struggle with hell uh, is the fact that we don't really uh, uh, get to grips with what heaven is like. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we we have a bit of a misunderstanding uh, about heaven, uh, and I think many people have an unrealistic view of, of heaven. Uh, so is the, is the view of heaven uh, that's presented in the Bible anything like the, kind of the popular idea uh, we sometimes ha have about heaven? Uh, two two authors uh, collated the, the data from a radio show uh, where famous people were asked about their idea of, of heaven. Uh, and the authors uh, recorded that the guests made three points consistently. And one was they all believed in heaven. Uh, secondly, they all assumed that they would be there. Uh, and thirdly, when asked to describe heaven, none of them actually mentioned that God was there. Uh, and I think that's uh, one of the uh, uh, most assumed ideas in, in our culture. Uh, but it's not the idea of heaven that's presented uh, in the Bible. Uh, again, some of Jesus' most famous teaching about heaven comes uh, not during his earthly life, but after he has ascended and given a, a revelation to the Apostle John. Uh, and in Revelation 21, he gives John a, a vision of heaven where he's told the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars uh, will be excluded from heaven. He says they'll be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Uh, he says nothing impure will ever enter into heaven. Uh, so it's clear from those statements that not everybody uh, gains entry into heaven. Certain people will be excluded, and if we're all honest, uh, we can understand that. Uh, I mean, uh, we don't uh, want to spend uh, uh, heaven uh, with people uh, who, who have been unrepentant of great, uh, great wickedness. Uh, so uh, again, uh, that, that uh, what kind of heaven would that be? You know, if, if we were in a sense, we're just like this world, uh, and everybody was admitted uh, and allowed to, to carry on in their in their wicked ways. So as you say, the greatest thing about heaven uh, is not simply that it's not hell, which I think is sometimes what we, we sometimes think. Uh, it's not even that it's a place of peace rather than a place of torment. Uh, the greatest thing we're told about heaven is that God's dwelling will be there with his people. Uh, and for those who love Jesus, they will last see him face to face uh, and they'll live with him uh, in unbroken communion uh, forevermore. So the greatest thing about heaven is just the very thing that you, you pointed out. Uh, is uh, the very thing that's so often overlooked, uh, that God uh, God is there. Uh, so again, I think that's important that we think about the nature, uh, the nature, the nature of heaven uh, in order to understand uh, the nature of hell as well. Yeah, I agree. And when you said there, David, about how Jesus quite literally suffered hell on the cross uh, on our behalf, and that was, the Bible tells us, complete separation from the Father. Um, and that yeah that just little description of hell then that, that means the same for us if we if we don't repent if we don't um, come to know Jesus as our saviour then that same future awaits us um, but that kind of leads me on just to, to the, the main question of the podcast David that can a loving God then actually send people to hell or God, does God send people to hell or simply allow some to go to hell, um, or what's the terminology there that you would use? Yeah, I think uh, the Bible is clear uh, again that God does uh, send uh, send people uh, people to hell, uh, and again, I, I think this comes back to the idea of God's um, 
I come uh, back to the idea again of God's justice, uh, the idea that, uh, you know, actions in life have consequences. Uh, and again, I think uh, that's an important thing to, to bear in mind. We all recognize uh, that actions, actions have, have consequences. Uh, that's a, a well-known principle in our lives, and it's a well-known principle in the moral universe uh, that God, uh, God has created. And again, that makes us think a little bit again uh, about uh, you know, what, what is the issue? Why does God uh, send, people, uh, send people to hell? Uh, the problem is uh, that we are sinners, uh, but sinners uh, being sinful uh, is more than just doing, uh, doing wrong things. It's more than just uh, lying, cheating, stealing, lusting, uh, whatever it is. Uh, those things are simply uh, the effects of, of a sinful, uh, sinful nature that we all have. Uh, and that sinful nature is rooted in the fact that we are those who live uh, in rebellion uh, against the, the loving God who is the creator uh, of the world. Uh, so whenever we, we think uh, about sin, uh, the chief thing I think we need to think about is that sin, not merely doing things wrong, it's living our lives uh, in rebellion uh, against, uh, against God. Think back uh, to the Garden of Eden, Genesis 3, that's what happened. Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They ate of the one tree that they were forbidden uh, to eat from, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, their sin was disobedience. What is disobedience? It's rebellion. It's the overthrow of, of authority. And that's what the essence of sin is. We're rebels uh, and we refuse to accept God's uh, authority uh, in our lives. Uh, so sin is rebellion, and if we're honest, uh, given the choice, we would go on living uh, in sinful uh, rebellion. Uh, think about it for a second. If we reject God's offer of peace uh, through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, if we reject God's offer of forgiveness uh, through his Son, if we reject that offer of reconciliation uh, through his Son, what have we chosen to do? Uh, we've chosen to go on living in rebellion. Uh, against God. Uh, well, suddenly, imagine then we die uh, whilst we're living in a, a state of rebellion against God. We're then brought face to face with God. Uh, what would we say to him? Lord, uh, I've lived my life in rebellion against you. I've rejected your kingship, but now uh, I really want to enter into your, uh, your kingdom. Uh, and so it would be farcical that having lived our, our lives in rebellion against God, uh, that we would then gladly uh, enter into his uh, kingdom. Because remember, the greatest thing about heaven is that uh, it's where God dwells with his people. It's where we see Jesus uh, face to face and live with him in unbroken fellowship uh, forevermore. Uh, so if we die in a state of rebellion against God, uh, God would then be forcing us to live under the rule that we have rejected. He'd be forcing us to go and live with him, uh, even though we've hated him and rejected uh, his authority. Uh, but God is not like that. Uh, instead, having rejected his rule, God doesn't shoehorn us into heaven against our, our, our will. Uh, he gives us over uh, to the desires of our hearts. Uh, C.S. Lewis famously puts it this way, uh, in the long run, the answer to all those who object to the doctrine of hell is itself a question. What are you asking God to do? To leave you alone? Alas, I'm afraid that's what he does. Uh, so it's uh, so not idea uh, that, uh, you know, uh, God wouldn't send people to hell. Uh, you know, uh, again, there, there's a certain logical uh, contradiction in that. 
Uh, mm-hmm. we, we live life in rebellion against God, but then God says, well, uh, yes, I know, I know you're rebellious. I know you don't want to live with me, but I'm going to force you to do that. But as Lewis said, God gives us over uh, to the desires uh, of our heart. Another famous Christian writer, uh, James Packer, puts it this way. What you've chosen to be in this world comes back at you as your eternal destiny. If you've chosen to put up the shutters against God's grace rather than receive it, that's how you will spend eternity. Hell is to exist in a state apart from God, where all the good things in this world no longer remain for you. All that remains is to be shut up in yourself, realizing what you have missed and lost through saying no to God. So yes, God does send us, uh, send people to hell. Uh, and uh, again, uh, say on one hand, that's uh, to do with choices that we have made, uh, the rejection of God that we have made, uh, but it's also to do, uh, again, with the execution of his, ju- his justice, uh, that he does judge us and punish us uh, for, for our sins. Yeah, um, no, thank you, David. Um, what very interesting thing I think you've drawn out there is um, that God doesn't send anyone to hell against their will. Um, if they have lived a life rejecting God, then it doesn't make sense that they would want to be with God in the afterlife. Um, and then, you know, on the flip side, if someone has lived their life serving God, worshipping him, then it makes perfect sense that they would be a citizen of heaven. Um, yeah, I've never, I've never actually thought about it that way, David, so thank you for drawing that out. Uh, David, another question uh, I wanted to ask you there is, what is hell really like? Yeah, uh, again, we uh, sometimes have uh, again unusual uh, ideas about what hell might be might be like. Uh, we perhaps have the the kind of the idea of the uh, little uh, red devil with a, a pointy tail uh, prodding people. Uh, uh, but the Bible teaches us uh, again a number of things about the the, nat- the true nature nature of hell. Uh, and the first thing I think to say about it is that it is a place of separation from God. Uh, you know, on the day of judgment, Jesus says he will, he will say to unbelievers, uh, "Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire." Uh, so to be uh, to go to hell is to be separated uh, from God and from all the, the blessings. Uh, and all the goodness and the kindness of God uh, that we even enjoy uh, in this life. It is, uh, again, as we've already suggested then, secondly, it's a place of punishment. Uh, Jesus says this is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, So again, it is a place of of punishment. Thirdly, uh, it's a place of everlasting punishment. Jesus says that those who are separated from him on that day of judgment, then they will go away to eternal punishment. Uh, so it is a, a, a place uh, where we are punished, and we are punished for all, all eternity. Uh, and fourthly, uh, it's a place where a person lives under the wrath of God forever. So they're separated from God uh, in one sense, uh, and yet they live under the wrath of God uh, forever. Uh, as we live in this world at the moment, we're to some extent shielded. Uh, from the wrath of God, but to go to hell is to live under his wrath forever. Jesus says, whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains uh, on him. Uh, So these are the characteristics uh, of hell that we read about uh, in in the Bible. 
uh, separation uh, from God, uh, punishment that is everlasting in its nature, and that punishment is to live under the wrath of God uh, again forever. And that that is a that is a scary description. Um, no doubt that that um, will strike fear into the heart, hearts of listeners. Um, I'm sure. Um, but the good news is is that that doesn't have to be the that doesn't have to be the end destination. Um, that God made a way for uh, for His people not to endure that eternal suffering, but instead to endure eternal glory. Not even sorry, not endure eternal glory. Just experience eternal glory in heaven, um, in His presence. Um, and with that in mind, I'd like to read um, Revelation twenty-one. Um, just uh, at the description of the new heaven and the new earth, the um, vision given to the Apostle John. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. That's such a beautiful description of God dwelling with his people. Um, but Dave, I just want to thank you for taking the time to answer those questions. Um, and yeah, not a not an easy topic to discuss. So thank you very much. And uh, no, thank, thank you. For, uh, thank you for having me on the on the podcast. Uh, it is a difficult uh, subject, as you say, uh, but the uh, great thing uh, about the midst uh, in the midst of that difficult subject is the message of the hope uh, that there is uh, of eternal life through God's Son Jesus. Mm, absolutely. Yes. Thank you, and thank you to all of uh, you listeners as well uh, for tuning in. Take care and God bless.